Today is kind of the, obviously the, a couple days before the end of the year, and uh, if you've been with us for the past several weeks, we know, you know that we've been going through kind of a little series, we've just called it Advent. Um, we've been focusing on the season of Advent, Advent, or the season of when Jesus came, we call that obviously Christmas. Um, and uh, beginning next week, we're going to jump back into the book of Ephesians, because that's what we've been in uh, for the past several months, almost uh, the past year. And uh, we'll continue in the book of Ephesians. We'll be wrapping the book of Ephesians up over the next several weeks, and then we'll be getting a new series, which I'm excited about. We'll be kind of uh, unveiling probably next week. Um, but what that means is that we kind of got this little, like, family service, and one of the things that uh, I felt kind of prompted in my heart to share on a little bit today is really just the subject of beauty. And so in a sense, today is really the classic example of just kind of like a topical sermon, which we don't oftentimes do here at Calvary Slow. Typically what we do is we take books of the Bible, we go through them verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and let God speak to us. We believe that's a good way in which God reveals his heart to us. But every once in a while, you will get kind of a momentary break or an episodical break where God just says, I want something else to be spoken. And that's kind of the way today is, is we're going to be taking a look at the subject of beauty. So before we jump into this, I want to kind of set this up by saying is that beauty is something that compels us. Beauty is something that drives us. Uh, we'll, more, we'll talk more about this in just a moment, but the idea is that every one of us, uh, we long for something that's beautiful. The opposite of that really obviously is ugliness. And we don't, we, we're repelled by ugliness. We don't want to be in a place of ugliness. If we sense ugliness in ourselves, we want to either hide it or change it. Um, but the reality is that there's something about beauty that compels us. It transforms us. It draws us in. It causes us to stop. There's something about beauty that is the very opposite of boring. Nobody is ever bored of beauty. We are constantly compelled by and moved by things that are beautiful. And so I want to lead this morning in, um, before we read the passage that we'll be taking a look at, book of John. So if you guys want to turn there real quick, you can. John chapter 1. We'll read this in just a moment. Um, But I want to start with a little video clip. We've got lots of kids here this morning, so um, not only in lieu of being able to keep them engaged in just a moment, but I think at the same time we've got a lot of uh, big kids as well that I think this little video clip will also keep us engaged. But um, it's from the the movie Frozen, so you're welcome. Um, It's a great little clip, but... It's kind of the closing scene. Um, so I'll just let it speak for itself. It's great. And I'll kind of, from this, jump right into uh, the reading of the book of John. And then I'll explain why I think this clip's just beautiful. So here we go. Christoph. Anna. Anna? 
sacrificed yourself for me? I love you. An act of true love will thaw a frozen heart. Love will thaw. Love. Of course. Elsa? Love. This is the best day of my life, and quite possibly the last. Oh, Olaf, <laughs> hang on, little guy. Oh, oh, oh. <gasps> my own personal flurry. <laughs> Anna? But she froze your heart. The only frozen heart around here is yours. There we go. So if you haven't seen that, then sorry for the spoiler alert. So I'm going to read a passage out of the book of John. I'll explain why I showed that clip in just a second here. But in the book of John, I'll just read it. A handful of passages. You guys can follow along if you'd like. Uh, I'll have it up on the screen as well. So this is John chapter 1. I'll be quick. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The world was made through him, in verse 10, and yet the world did not know him. Verse 11 says, And he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Then it says, finally, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And here's the big passage I want you to really capture is that, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. So there's basically three things that I see within this passage I want to emphasize and wrap it up. First of all, is that we see is that God is beautiful. We see something about the beauty of God. The phrase that gets used here in the book of John is the word glory. The word glory is just another way of saying beauty. So if you think of glory, glory is one of, the, one of those words often we don't always use within our modern day vocabulary, but the idea is that of beauty, something that which is beauty, something that which emanates beauty. That's really what glory is. What makes God glorious is his beauty, that God is a beautiful God. So first of all, we see that God is beautiful. We see that within the passage in verse 14. Again, it says that this is the glory of the only son, full of the father, from the father, so that the Father, God himself, is beautiful. And that the Father then extends that beauty onto his Son. 
But for example, in the book of Psalms, uh, Psalm 27, uh, one of the psalmists basically wrote this. He says, one thing that I've asked of the Lord that will seek after that may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to behold or gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So the first thing I want you to understand is that God is in and of himself beautiful, that God is beauty. I'm not sure exactly what you think of when you think about God, but I wonder if the what you think of is the concept of beauty. Do you think of beauty in the same context of God? Or when you think about God, do you think of God as being sort of an angry, frustrated, grandfather type of a figure? Do you think of God as being a law, a group of laws, or a bunch of laws, or like a law book? What do you think of when you think about God? I hope what you think about when you think about God is beauty. That's how the Bible portrays God. There are moments, obviously, throughout the Bible that describe God as being terrifying. And oftentimes that creates an attitude of fear. But the reality is, is that at the core, at the heart of who God is, is beauty. Or what the Bible oftentimes describes as glory. In the ancient world, they oftentimes describe three major virtues. And these virtues have influenced all sorts of societies since. For example, uh, the three virtues being the good, the true, and the beautiful. In a lot of ways, we have these three types of virtues even within Christian concepts. The good, the beautiful, or the good, the true, and the beautiful. The good, oftentimes, there's a lot of people within Christian circles that tend to focus everything within their life upon the good or the moral, what's morally right, how to act. Maybe some of you have been brought up in a church, or maybe the family that you live, or maybe the family that you're conducting or trying to grow has focused primarily upon the good. Telling the kids, or being told by mom and dad, here's what good is, be good. Act good. Treat others with good. And the idea is that of this emphasis upon morality. How to be good, how to act good, how to look good. Another thing to think about is uh, the true. Some families or some people tend to focus upon God as being simply nothing more than truth. We know the Bible describes that Jesus is truth. That God is truth. So this is not untrue. God is true. But he's not just simply good, though he is. And he's not just simply true, though he is. <clears throat> but he's ultimately beautiful. So if God just simply gets reduced down to truth or truisms, what oftentimes can happen is people tend to focus upon just simply being right or wrong. So God gets reduced down to a bunch of proposition as to whether or not are we right or are we wrong. It's one of the reasons why sometimes Christians tend to bicker and fight. And it gets really ugly. Ugly, which, by the way, is the opposite of beauty. That oftentimes there are these wars that can be fought over what's true, what's right, what's wrong. And again, we believe that the Bible does describe or declare certain propositions or right things and wrong things. But ultimately, what we see with God is that he's beautiful. God is beautiful. So it's sort of this subject of aesthetics or the beauty of God. And this is what we see that God is being portrayed as. And then ultimately what John tells us is put on perfect display through Jesus. So the second thing that I want you to notice is that not only is God beautiful, but secondly, we see that Jesus is beautiful. That Jesus is beautiful. The book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says this concerning Jesus, that he is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. That Jesus is beautiful. 
Have you ever read a story or read an article or read the Bible even, for example, and have kind of read the life of Jesus and just kind of looked at the life of Jesus in summary and thought, what an amazing guy. What, what, a, what a beautiful thing that he's done in helping people. Jesus has this tendency of going into dark, broken, ugly scenarios and places and turning it around into something absolutely beautiful. He has the ability of going to people that know nothing but darkness, know nothing but oppression, and completely doing something about that darkness and oppression to the point when people walk away from that, they are always mesmerized by Jesus. One of the most common reactions that the Bible describes from both foe and enemy or or, or foe and friend alike with regard to Jesus is this phrase, uh, people wondered at Jesus. They were amazed by Jesus. This is one of the most common reactions that people had with regard to Jesus, that they were amazed by him. Jesus' foes were amazed by Jesus in a sense that they couldn't believe that he was saying the same things that he was saying. Jesus' friends were amazed by Jesus because they'd never seen anything so wonderful and so beautiful before. One of the things that you'll discover about Jesus is that he's never boring. The opposite of really something being amazed by something is, is bored, boredom. So people can never be simultaneously amazed and bored at the same time. So when you think about this, Jesus, who he is, what he's done, how he acts, what he came to do, is ultimately the summary of who God is. That Jesus, the Bible tells us, is the perfect reflection of everything that God is. So a lot of people kind of wonder, what is God like? What's God really like? And what the Bible's answer to that in the New Testament is that God is just like Jesus. God acts like Jesus. God loves like Jesus. God forgives like Jesus. God cares like Jesus. God has compassion like Jesus because Jesus is God. And this is what we see with regard to that and because Jesus is ultimately beautiful. Jesus perfectly reflects the beauty of God. This is an important thing to really kind of understand and to consider. And then finally, that salvation is really ultimately about being drawn into or compelled by God's beauty. This is really what salvation is. A lot of times, Christianity can sometimes be reduced down to simple, um, basically the, a plan to memorize. You know, the gospel is really nothing more than a plan to memorize. You've got to memorize certain steps, certain key actions, memorize those things, and you've got the gospel. Or sometimes the gospel is reduced down to propositions to obey, things that you've got to simply do for God. But in reality, what the gospel is first and foremost is that it's a story of a beautiful God who comes into ugliness and makes beautiful things. Primarily, that's what the gospel is, that God hasn't forsaken, God hasn't abandoned this world in its ugliness, in its death, in its destruction, but that God has chosen to do something about that to take something which is dark and ugly and broken as a result of sin, to save it, to change it, to transform it. This is what we call being saved. So I want you to think about something. There's a lot of people that follow Jesus or claim to follow Jesus, or we would say, I'm a Christian, for a number of different reasons. Some people follow Jesus for one of these three reasons. There may be a few more, but I'll just kind of reduce it down to these three. First of all, people oftentimes claim to follow Jesus out of fear of what might happen if you don't. Fear of what might happen if you don't. In other words, this is sort of somebody that follows Jesus because they realize, like, if I don't follow Jesus, I might go to hell for all eternity. 
So I'm deathly afraid of going to hell, and I don't want to do that. Now, to some degree, that is not a bad thing to hold on to because there are consequences the Bible describes. But let me just say this. If that is your main motivational factor for to follow Jesus, at some point that will let you down, it will fail you, and when it fails you, you'll be lost. That cannot be the primary motivation or reason by which we follow Jesus. It certainly was not the motivational factor that Jesus called people to follow him by. But some people follow Jesus out of strict fear as to what might happen if they don't. Another reason is really what I would describe as cultural. People follow Jesus because it's culturally correct. Let me put it this way. A lot of people, especially in America, follow Jesus for the same reasons a lot of people become Muslims in Muslim countries. Does that make sense? In other words, I'm a Christian because I'm an American. Or I'm a Christian because my mom and dad were. I'm a Christian because that's what my heritage gave to me. So in other words, Christianity is really nothing more than a social readaptation of your life to the surroundings. Does that make sense? You guys following? Following along? But the reality is, is that is really, again, that's not a ultimately transformative type of a way to be a Christian. There's a lot of people that follow Jesus simply because that's what everybody else around them is doing. Or if you want to be part of a social gathering or social group or be accepted by a group of people, and let's say they're all Christians, it's really easy for you to say, well, then I'll go become one of them. I'll become a Christian so that I can be accepted by that social group. But again, that's simply following Jesus based upon a social circumstance or a cultural circumstance. But the final reason why I would suggest we should follow Jesus is love. Love, that God has revealed something of himself to us, that that has compelled us, transformed us, or this is where the movie comes in, has thought our heart. See, unlike the movie, uh, the way the, the, the gospel really is, is that God is the one that does this unbelievable act of sacrifice, and it's God's unbelievable act of sacrifice to us, for us, that actually thaws out the hardness of our heart towards him. It thaws our hearts out. God's act of love thaws out our hardness of heart and transforms us. It changes us. It moves us. It compels us. This is what the gospel really is all about. Listen to how the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12 says it this way. It says that he calls you into his own kingdom and glory. The word glory, again, can be changed to be used, to be understood or identified as the word beauty. That God's kingdom is one of beauty. That this is the kingdom that God oversees, that God rules over. This is the kingdom that God, when God originally created the whole world, was a world of beauty. Everything went astray, everything went awry as a result of man, turning their hearts against God, and then bringing about ugliness and violence and brokenness. And yet what we see with God doing, God is changing this world of ugliness and violence into a world of peace and beauty and shalom once again. This is what we see that God does. And this is what we see that God has been revealed to do through the person of Jesus. So this is really what salvation is. Salvation is really simply coming into or allowing God to come into that story or God you beginning to see your place in God's story of being changed. When my kids were young, the number one prayer, I still pray it 
But the prayer that I pray, not only for them, but even the prayer I pray for this church, is that those that are part of this church family would not just simply see the social activity of Calvary Slow or see the great things we have as far as like community or see a service or hear a great sermon, but the most important thing that I really truly desire, and the leaders of this church really truly desire, is that those of you that would be a part of this church family would see something of the beauty of Jesus That the way that we conduct our lives, the way that we live our lives, the way that we act towards each other, the way that we treat one another, the way that we say, I'm sorry, or ask for forgiveness, or extend forgiveness to those that have offended, that that would be part of the storyline of our lives. But really, those actions are all actions that are represented within the gospel, and all of those are beautiful. That's why when we see acts like in the movie that we just saw, of this great sacrifice, our hearts are kind of like strangely warm, right? You can't watch that without having a smile on your face. Like, wow, that's awesome. Like, even if you've never even seen the movie, even if you never even care to see the movie, even if you're like one of those blogger moms that's like anti-Frozen, all right? The fact of the matter is you cannot watch that little clip and not be moved by that because this is the reality that we see within God, that God does this amazing act of sacrifice that moves us, transforms us, This is what the gospel is all about, is God speaking forth who he is, what he's done to our lives. And when we see that, that compels us. It's that act of beauty that God reveals to us through Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, all for the glory of his name, all for the love that he has for you and I that transforms us. It thaws our hearts, and when our hearts are thawed to love God back, something naturally happens. We let go of all of these other counterfeit things that our hearts have been trying to hold on to. We're quickly able to let go of those things in order to embrace God. That's what the gospel is. That's what I pray that you are moved by with this great God, that you would see him, his act of love, compelling love. You'd be moved by it, that it would change you. And not only change you to the point whereby maybe you would make a confession of faith, but ultimately through that confession of faith, your life begins to be part of that story of creating beauty, of living beauty, of making beauty throughout your lives. Communicating the beauty of God. We call that preaching the gospel. We call that sharing your faith. See, sharing your faith is really not the act of reciting four points about salvation, Sharing your faith is really just communicating something that's beautiful. It's the same type of concept that happens every single night around 7 o'clock or maybe even a little bit earlier after a really beautiful sunset. You go on Instagram and everybody's posting all these amazing photos of the sunset because what they're doing is they're gospeling the sunset. They're preaching. They're communicating. They're showing forth the beauty of the sunset. That's what sharing our faith is. It's nothing more than simply saying God is amazing. I want you to see him in the same way that I've seen him. And I want you to be able to see him in such a way so that you would let go of all of these other things that create and cause ugliness in our lives to, and to hold on to, to embrace that which is beautiful, that which comes from God. That's what the gospel is. That's what we hope that you see. As we move into 2015, that's what my prayer is for you guys, that as a church, that we would be a church, a community, a people that understand the beauty of the gospel, that that would change us, 
transform us. It wouldn't just simply be that we're part of the social group of people that affirm the name of Jesus. That wouldn't be that we're just part of this group of people that are afraid of what might happen if we don't follow Jesus. So we are a bunch of afraid, fearful people that are clinging on as tightly as we can to God because we're afraid of what might happen if we don't. But rather, what would radically transform us and change us and cause us to be set apart within this world is that we are moved and motivated and transformed by the beauty of God upon our display through Jesus. That would transform us and change us into a community of people that truly loves one another. Because love has that power. Perfect love, John says, casts out that fear. Love that comes from God has the power to change our hearts and set us free. So much so that we'll have capital to be able to love others, to forgive others, to care for others, to not only love God, but to also love our neighbor, and finally to really be part of that mission, taking it on the road. We call that being on mission for the gospel, just communicating, living it out, showing the greatness of God through our acts, through our deeds, through our good works, that everything that we do would be a testimony of the great love of God that God has put on display for it. For us, we want to welcome you, invite you into that story if you're not. We're going to finish up. We'll, we'll finish by singing a couple songs, by partaking in communion. And like I said, um, even though when we're done with the official part of kind of the service part of this, uh, we still have some coffee and some dessert and goods and stuff like that for you guys to be able to enjoy and participate. And again, take advantage of it. I mean, typically our church services go about an hour and a half or so. Um, we realize we're kind of closing it up a little bit earlier, the official service part. And it's again, because we've got kids here. Um, but just realize that it's still going to go. So feel free to stick around as long as you want and get to know some people uh, and get to be known by other people. If you're not, if you're not part of a community group, we want to invite you to be part of that. These are ways in which God has set up within our church family to help begin to push back the ugliness, the brokenness that comes through our rebellion, through our sin, for us to engage and to investigate the claims of Jesus through the scripture, through the Bible, to let God begin to transform us. We love the Bible because the Bible really becomes sort of this picture of who God is. Uh, It's one of the reasons why we teach the Bible. We go through the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter. So we believe that the Bible paints this picture for us of the beauty of God because we're compelled by beauty, because we love God, because we're moved by his beauty, we want to search the scriptures because we want to see more of God. I hope and I pray that as we move into 2015, that you would be moved and compelled, that you would see something of the beauty of God. And that would change you. That that would be what motivates you to let go of things that are broken and destructive and in some cases even wicked and evil. And that you would lay a hold of that which is life-giving, that which is God. So why don't we all stand? Um, we have communion in the little back. You guys can go back there and partake of the communion as you would like. Um, we'll sing a couple songs and we'll finish up this morning. So let me pray. Let's partake of communion. Let's sing. God, we just thank you for your great love. The beauty, God, that you put on display for us through Jesus. So God, we ask you right now that you would just Uh, in our lives, transform and change us. God, we thank you that you are the God that makes beautiful things out of that which is ugly. Things that are broken, you put back together again. Things that are tarnished and marred by sin, you purify and cleanse and make brand new again. Things that are soiled, God, you have the ability of making them fresh, virgin-like. This is what you do. 
So God, I pray that we would be moved, compelled by a glimpse of who you are that's been seen through Jesus. God, that this would even compel us to want to read, to study, to search, to pray, to seek more of who Jesus is, especially in this new year. To be changed by that which we love. 